The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Uh, Jeff says, Jaylen, look who's in the ditch. <laughs> Old Roadhog says, I never believed in winter tires until I got a set of them a few years ago. Now I wouldn't be without them. And uh, Jaylen, six years ago, I bought a brand new vehicle in December. I drove it home and I brought it back the next day. I slid 20 feet before I could stop on the ice. Put on winter tires. Your problems are solved. Everyone needs winter tires in our country. So uh, a lot of folks with a lot of support for winter tires around here right now. Like I said, yeah, I did fairly well today. It was the first time driving the, uh, the new vehicle in... Um, in snow. We'll see how it goes. We will see how it goes. All right, let's get to this. Uh, U.S. President Donald Trump continues to promise legal action in the coming days as he refuses to concede the presidency following his loss to Democrat Joe Biden. President Trump has yet to provide any evidence to support his claims of election fraud. Uh, U.S. President-elect Joe Biden's team has been mapping out what it plans to do during the transition period and the first few days of his new administration. Biden is planning to focus first on COVID-19. And uh, here at home, while he congratulates Joe Biden and Kamala Harris on their U.S. election victory, Prime Minister Trudeau saying a new administration does not mean that he'll stop fighting for Canadian jobs and interests if the president-elect seeks to cut international trade. Trudeau says tariffs and U.S. barriers to Canadian imports imposed under President Trump didn't just hurt Canadian businesses and workers. Americans suffered from them as well. And he says that he will keep working with the Trump administration until Biden takes over in January, including on efforts to get Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor released from Chinese detention. To take a look at what happened over the weekend, we're joined by Lori Williams, a political scientist at Mount Royal University. Lori, welcome back to the show. Well, I'm, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Let's uh, let's start with this. I'm curious to know what your thoughts, uh, what was going through your mind uh, with what you saw over the weekend with that speech from Biden, with the speech from Harris on Saturday night. What were you thinking? Right. Well, I was particularly struck by the um, speech by Kamala Harris because you could see the people in the audience mm-hmm. who never thought they'd see the day that a woman would be elected to the position of vice president of the United States, and not just a woman, but a woman of color representing both the black and, and, and the immigrant community generally because her, her uh, mother, of course, is from India. Um, I think it was just an incredibly powerful, the, the, the music, the, the reaction of the people in the audience, and I got a sense that you could see the um the connection of these two people to sort of different demographics so you saw obviously a lot of people there that were delighted that um that the ticket had been elected but particularly kamala harris who could represent them in a way uh, that hadn't been possible before they saw themselves in a place that they hadn't seen before and i think for a lot of people that was particularly meaningful uh, and, and then, I, of course yeah um, so and of course then when and, and, and the fact that that Joe Biden had the 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 insight and and the graciousness to have her come out first because they are they're promising to be a team. He wants to work with her as he worked with Barack Obama, um, and, and of course, an incredibly powerful speech by Joe Biden, basically promising 
to try to do something that that people I think very very deeply want done. For the most part, I think all of the studies, you know, people go town to town and interview people, just regular folks. They aren't part of these deep divisions that are happening. I think that's part of the disconnect between Washington and and uh, just regular folks is that they want to see solutions to the really significant problems that they're facing right now. And and that promise uh, is something that I think will have an impact. Lori, I thought that that speech uh, from, um, I was going to say Vice President, but uh, President-elect Biden, I thought was one of the most powerful ones that I've uh, seen him give during the entire campaign. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I don't remember seeing him speaking that way before. And I I thought, wow, okay, well, good on you to to start with. But, you know, uh, when he started talking about, you know, focusing on COVID, focusing on bringing the country together, when we talk about COVID, we know that it seems even COVID in America is split down party lines. Um, You know, this is something that uh, him and Kamala Harris have been working on, getting briefed on over the past couple of days, setting up a team uh, as of today. Um, Do you think that that focus, uh, that attention that he is going to, um, uh, you know, put on in the U.S. could translate into a more of a, of a, of a partnership on COVID between Canada and the U.S. and maybe a better working um, relationship on, on that front when it comes to dealing with, with COVID in North America? It could. Um, I think the fact that he's obviously committed to uh, to continuing the connection with the, the World Health Organization, for all its flaws, it is the one agency through which um, countries can work together, collaborative, to try to deal with not just the challenges of COVID-19 in individual countries, but around the world. And we've already got information about a mutation of the virus um, in uh, Denmark, uh-huh. where um, they're not sure what the implications could be down the road. This is going to be an ongoing challenge. You know, I mean, it's it's too early to say whether this vaccine will be effective against the the mutated. Um, version or not, but but the the reality is that this is going to take an effort, and it's not going to be something that can just be contained within a country. As we've seen, um, we need to be working globally and and collaborating and cooperating uh, globally. So uh, certainly on this and on a number of other files, the cooperation and uh, collaboration between Canada and the United States is going to be very important, but not without its challenges. There are things that that will cause tensions. There is that sort of protectionist sentiment that we've uh-huh. seen in both of these presidential candidates. And uh, and Joe Biden certainly is going to prioritize the United States, but he also knows that the relationship between Canada and the United States is, is extraordinarily integrated and, and that... There are a lot of people on both sides of the border that want to see it work and, and, and work better than it's, it's done at, up until this point. We know there's been a lot of talk about uh, the future of Keystone XL uh, right. when uh, Biden becomes uh, President Biden. Your thoughts on that? I've had a couple of conversations and in some people thinking that there could be some good working conversations moving forward and that there's a possibility that uh, he might be swayed from cancelling those permits. Others are just... Are are, are full of fear, obviously, that that uh, it mm-hmm. could just be gone. What what do you think? Do you think that there's a possibility of a, you know, an olive branch there that somehow we could see this still move ahead? Well, the key is going to have to be on the balance between energy and the environment. Uh-huh. And 
certainly we've seen the Kenny government increasingly um, in recent days and months uh, focus more and more on that balance between energy and the environment. That has to be the focus going forward, not just for the Keystone XL pipeline, but for international investment in the future of this, uh-huh. this province's economy. In fact, the Canadian economy, there are a lot of a lot of places in Canada where energy is a, a primary focus and this balance, the, we, we, it's just got to be the right balance or it's, it's uh, going to be impossible to go forward. The problem, of course, for Alberta is the existence of the energy war room and the antipathy between the uh, between environmentalists and um, and the Kenny government. I don't think that was a particularly fruitful or wise move. Certainly, finding information that can counter misinformation or even disinformation that's out there is a good thing. But um, to sort of declare any environmentalist as your enemy is not going to play well and I think that's going to be something that could create problems down the road but you know I don't think as we've seen Joe Biden is one to sort of listen to one thing that one person has said and hold that against him he doesn't seem to be somebody who holds grudges but it has created I think an unnecessary challenge in trying to find common ground and there is possibility there both on the on the energy side and on the environmental side one of the things that has been um, somewhat challenging in Canada and has been one of the, the principal arguments against the carbon tax is that it made some Canadians um, uncompetitive against uh-huh. some Americans because of the difference in the regulations both sides of the border. As those regulations harmonize, there might be more opportunities that could be developed there as well. So again, I don't think this is going to be um, back to the way that it was or, or completely without conflict. There have always been and will always be conflicts or disagreements uh, because our our priorities and our, our aspirations are somewhat different. But there is a, a stable foundation upon which to build um, uh, the possibility of making an argument based on science and evidence. It could be persuasive and could change minds in, in uh, some respects. Um, but even if that happens, there's still the possibility of court challenges yes. both in the United States and in Canada. And, and again, the key, I think, to, to managing all of these is looking like there is a, a credible balance between energy and the environment. So um, in in that direction, I think there's potential for hope, but there's a lot of uncertainty still. Laurie, I wanted to cycle back to the speech on Saturday night. Um, President-elect Biden, uh, you know, not only focusing on COVID, you know, spent a lot of time on, on uh, focusing on bringing the country together, saying that he wants to be a president for all Americans, not just those who voted for them. He says it's a mm-hmm. choice to not cooperate. And so uh, we can make the decision to cooperate as well. And you take a look at the divisiveness in, in politics, mm-hmm. and we've certainly seen it mm-hmm. here in Alberta. I mean, I think I think in the U.S. there's a, there's a long way to go, but we've also seen the sowing of that divisiv- divisiveness right here in Alberta. Do you think sure. that our province and, and, and our country is, well, I, I'd like to think that it's not as bad as in the U.S., but I, I see it a lot and I hear it a lot. And do you believe that that can change in in our country and in our province as well well we're very fortunate at this stage of the game to be um the i would say the least um the least harmed or or challenged by populists to this this sort Mm -hmm. of negative populist rhetoric of any any country really in the world right now 
Um, but it would be naive to be complacent that that isn't going to have an impact here. Now, I think we're seeing this in Europe. We're, we're seeing it in the UK. We're seeing it in the United States. We're seeing it um, in Canada and all over the world. There are elements of this. Where, where it goes, how, how much it catches on will depend on the choices that particularly voters make. And it may be that, the, certainly we saw in the 2019 election, that voters in Canada seem not like not to like the negativity, and they don't seem now to have much of an appetite for disagreements between uh, government leaders. They want them to work together to solve the very significant challenges that we're facing, both with the COVID-19 health crisis, but also its economic fallout. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so at least for the the near term i think um, there's a lot of pressure on our politicians to work together we're seeing that in some of the things that jason kenney and justin trudeau are saying mm-hmm. in spite of the fact they're not friends mm-hmm. they know they have to work together for the benefit of not just their voters but their um uh, because of the country just it's in their interest to do that they they are under pressure to try to find solutions and that means that there's a lot of pressure to solve rather than than disagree or or to divide but there are really strong pressures for those who benefit from stoking those divisions. They, they gain benefits from doing that. I think what's really going to be interesting in the United States, because they've got those two um, seats in Senate seats in uh-huh. Georgia that are going to be up for grabs, there's going to be enormous pressure between now and January um, for Congress, both sides in Congress, to try to work um, better together, because that might have implications for who is successful in those those uh, Senate runoffs. Um uh, but after that, if the if the Senate is controlled by Republicans, the challenges will be, I fear, similar to what we saw um, under Barack Obama, where where uh, Mitch McConnell said that he was going to focus on preventing him from getting reelected, and decided not to work with him on much of anything, and basically try to be obstructionist. Now, having seen all of that, I think there are a lot of people, both sides of the border, that are. They've seen the, the destructiveness of polarization, of divisiveness. They've seen that that is not productive. It doesn't get things accomplished. It just uh, gets in the way of, of getting much much done that's important to the people who are actually, for the most part, not not aligned very strongly on one side or the other. They might be very angry at this or that government or leader or party, but they really just want solutions to the real problems that we're facing so leadership can have a huge impact here but so can we as voters we can put a lot of pressure on our leaders to 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 work um beyond those divisions to get things done and i think there's a lot of potential in that um we're seeing you know sometimes constructive protests happening and people rethinking issues that they weren't looking at closely enough before it's pushed you know, recently in Calgary, it's pushed the police department to sort of try to take the lead in terms of rethinking policing, uh, reallocating resources, mm-hmm. rather than having it just imposed on them. They're they're trying to take a, a leadership role in in making changes, and that's because of the pressure that's been put on them by by strong and vocal and effective um, voters. So, I think there's a responsibility here on the part of not just leaders, but on on the part of voters to try to push in a direction that's a little bit more um, cooperative or collaborative, at least insofar as we need to work together to find solutions to some of these problems. And if that's the foundation, if that's what's effective, then I think some of this more negative rhetoric might 
might be less effective. That said, there are huge forces on the other side. Yeah. Uh, social media Ugh. is almost entirely devoted to trying to stoke to, yeah. to try to stoke these divisions. There are people who are committed from outside of of Canada that are, that are committed to trying to promote divisiveness. Um, and being aware of that is also going to be part of the solution. So this isn't just something that our government or governments uh, are going to have to deal with. It's something that we as, as citizens are going to have to take very seriously and do a lot of work to try to, to work against. Lots to think about there. Laurie Williams joining us this afternoon. Thank you for taking the time. Thanks for your insight. I appreciate it. Well, it was my pleasure, Jalen.